Welcome back, listeners. You're listening to Your Best Life, powered by Mercy One. Today, we're joined by Adrian Rains, a PAC and ATC from Mercy One Tripola Family Medicine, and we have Sherry Purdy along with us. Hey, hey. And uh, we're going to touch on a little thing called concussions today, and it's uh, coming to the forefront. And uh, we're going to touch on some things called a little bit of stats, uh, maybe a few frequent questions, uh, some signs and symptoms, maybe some preventative measures. But I'm going to just go in and talk a little bit. I'm a football coach uh, for about 15 years, and I've seen concussions come to the forefront, obviously, the last couple of years, more and more. And, uh, and you know, the, the numbers are getting staggering. It's 10% of all contact sport athletes sustain a concussion yearly. And, uh, you know, brain injuries cause more deaths than any other sport injuries right now. And uh, it's really a, a staggering number that's going on right now. And I know... Adrian, you probably see uh, a lot of that stuff coming in, and uh, probably seen a lot of uh, concussions. And I, what's your what's your take on that? Um, well, I was an athletic trainer in my previous life. I've been a physician assistant the last three years. Um, so now I see both the sports world and your just normal um, walking world <laughs> um, from <laughs> car accidents and just normal trips and falls at home or. Um, what have you, but, um, majority is still my athletes, my young athletes come in with, um, um, signs and symptoms of concussion. So still pretty uh, prevalent, although I'm not on the field any longer, we still see it, um, come through our office quite frequently. So my question would be, so are you seeing more and more kids come in with concussions or is it just more of an awareness? Do you think from, from a parent's perspective that, you know, I need to get my kid in, they, they, they hit their head pretty hard or they, they uh, tilted their neck pretty hard or, or do you think it's it's that we are getting our sports are getting more, um, you know, tougher or is it more of a, just an awareness? That's a good question. Um, I think it is maybe a little bit of both, but from an awareness standpoint, absolutely. It's um, it it has increased dramatically. The hard part about concussions is that it's mostly subjective findings. So if a kid walks in to my office or either on the sideline and, and complained of a, a subjective symptom, you automatically just have to assume, yep, they have a concussion. So um, a lot of kids still, even now, although the the education is out there, how dangerous they are, they still keep all those symptoms to themselves, unfortunately. Um, so sometimes it, it's more of an awareness from the parents or the coaches standpoint um, of just picking up on more of the f- objective findings Um rather than a kid kind of admitting to subjective symptoms. And Kobe, you know, being a coach for football and wrestling, you know, you're, you're down there with those players. I mean, what are you seeing on the field? Are you seeing, you know, do kids come up to you and say, Hey coach, I hurt myself. Or do you, do you witness it? Or do you see the signs and symptoms yourself and question, did you hit your head? You know, I'm going to just touch on that a little bit too, because obviously a, a lot of the kids out there today are, you know, they're, they're afraid to tell you that they have a concussion because they're going to have to sit out. I mean, there's those protocols now that are out there, you know, when in doubt, sit them out. Those are the, those are what the high school, uh, uh, are, are really promoting, uh, for football, when in doubt, sit it out. If, uh, they've got a problem or they're, they've got a headache or any type of, uh, you know, there's so many signs and symptoms out there for, uh, high school kids, for with concussions now I mean it's staggering to know that high school football is shown the studies have shown that it has the greatest proportion of concussion 47.1 percent 
Wow. Um, and the highest concussion rate is 6.4 concussions per 10,000 athletic exposures. It's pretty uh, staggering. So you're, you're saying that uh, stats are showing that one out of two are kids are having concussions it's or pretty, hits on the field? It's pretty close, yeah. And yeah, at that least is one staggering. player sustains a mild concussion nearly every American football game, they're saying. And, and mm-hmm. those aren't reported, though, a lot of them, they're mm-hmm. saying. So a lot of these kids aren't coming forward after they get hit. And I just, last Friday night, I, I had a kid, obviously, took a big hit and uh, said he was fine, but uh, we sat him out the rest of the game. I mm-hmm. mean, he took a big hit. And I, I didn't know if he had one or not. Obviously, I'm not a, I'm not a, a doctor. I'm not mm-hmm. going to diagnose that. And our trainer didn't think he had a concussion at all, and he did the protocol testing before the year, and no concussion, but we sat him. It was one of those things, when in doubt, sit it out. So did he, he finally have any kind of uh, reaction did he start getting sick to his stomach I mean what are the signs and symptoms you know there's a lot of different signs and symptoms of uh you know obviously there's nausea uh confused days stunned uh clumsiness I mean obviously headaches double vision feeling sluggish you know all those things go in a lot of times it's a headache and nausea are big ones to me Adrian, what did you see when you were out on the field, and what do you see now as the main symptoms to look for? Um, the biggest thing, yeah, is a headache or any visual disturbance, um, sometimes a balance issue. Um, sometimes you do a quick orientation, you know, where are you, what's your name, what are you doing, what quarter is it, that type of thing. Um, usually um, the nausea, um, and from at least my experience, doesn't come till later. Um, the vomiting doesn't come to later. Almost never does a concussion result in loss of consciousness either. And that's a big misconception, unfortunately. They oh, yeah. say, okay, I, was, I wasn't knocked out. I must not have had one. Um, and unfortunately, that's just not true. Um, of course, if they were knocked out, then um, they they probably do have one. So, um, But even if they weren't knocked out, the, they still could have one. So um, I also sometimes see a little bit of Mental from a from a family medicine side of things, I've I've seen a little bit more mental type symptoms, being sad, irritable, emotional, um, getting um, you know nervous or anxious um, more so than normal. Um, that those can all be concussion signs and symptoms too. So, so why would why would a why would someone that gets hit hard in the head have those types of symptoms? Those secondary symptoms where they the emotional side. What I mean is it the anxiety of they're trying to hide it? Do you think, or is it that it really is affecting how the brain works? I think it's it's more of the uh, function of the brain. So a concussion, and unfortunately, is not a structural injury. It's more of a functional injury. So if we CT, MRI, X-ray these kids, everything's going to look normal. Um, so there's no structural damage or injury. Of course, if they've had like a, a motor vehicle accident where they have a brain bleed, but on the football field, that that has happened, doesn't happen very often. Um, but more of a functional injury, so it could um, damage any any part of the brain. Um, brain that you know processes emotion um, is certainly something that could be affected. And so, uh, when Kobe sat out his kid last week because he suspected just from the hard hit, do you think most coaches should start looking at it that way? If you see a kid get hit pretty hard, whether it be the football field, the soccer field, bicycling, whatever it might be, do you feel like, like Kobe said, when in doubt, sit him out? Absolutely. Absolutely. And Colby is kind of in a, a good position where he does have a fallback with an athletic trainer. A lot of, um, you know, competitions going on around the state, they don't have that backup. So um, especially in those situations where a coach doesn't have that uh, mental uh, medical trained professional on the sideline, for sure, when in doubt, sit him out. Um, but conservative, uh, you know, action 
way out far benefits than trying to, you know, oh, let's just let's just throw him out there and see how he does. So absolutely, I agree with that 100%. So on a parent's perspective, how long do you sit them out for? How long is enough? That's a good question. I, um, I sit them out till they're asymptomatic is my, um, my rule. Um, so asymptomatic, meaning they're there's a couple different screening tools that we use um, as far as um, screening for a concussion. And I know Colby kind of alluded to this earlier when an athletic trainer goes through those concussion protocols prior to um, they have baseline testing, it's called, where, hey, we're going to put you through these protocols. We use SCAT 2, and I think there's a SCAT 3 out there now, it's called. It's a concussion um, screening assessment tool. Um, Anyway, it goes through about 22 different symptoms, and you get to rank them on a scale from zero to six. So I kind of go through that with them in the office, and if they say no to all of them and have zeros on all of them, I then put them through uh, coordination, balance, um, cognition, um, delayed recall, um, a bunch of different mental type um, capacity tests too. And as soon as they're all asymptomatic and they pass all those, then I recommend going through a it's called a return to play protocol. It's not, uh, okay, you're good, go into a game that day. Um, it's more, okay, you're good, let's start some light aerobic exercise. Throw you on the bike. Throw you into practice just jogging, no contact. And, the next, and then if you remain asymptomatic, you kind of move forward onto the next, next thing. Um, just progressively adding more intense type activities. And then the, the last step would then be, okay, do a full contact practice, see how you do. If you still remain asymptomatic, okay, you're good for games. Is kind of, that's a, the most conservative protocol, and that's the one I follow. Just to touch a little bit back on back, back on what you're just saying right now, I've uh, obviously I've been um, dealt with quite a few concussions over the last ten years, and uh, the, the protocols have changed quite a bit. I mean, obviously back ten years ago, they these kids weren't really doing any type of activities, and now we're we're trying to thrust them back in a little bit more and trying to get that brain involvement going and. Uh, you know, how much is the, the resting part on that side big? I, I'd like to know, like, just for my for my own concern, like, these kids resting. I know a lot of parents have questions for me. Should they be at home during school or they should be going to school and having their brain activities or should they be resting, sitting at home, those type of things uh, when they get a concussion or, or even have some type of symptoms of a concussion? Sure. Um, I always say rest means from physical activity first. So you rest from physical activity and expect to be asymptomatic at least within a week. And if you're not, meaning you're still having um, some of those symptoms, um, then we have to move on to more cognitive rest. Um, So that means staying home from school, turning off the lights, turning off the TV, turning off the phone, which is a big thing. It's hard to do for kids these days. Mm -hmm. But um, I always say rest from physical activity first. And if that still doesn't result in an asymptomatic um, kid, then I moved forward then with cognitive rest as well. And I've just, you know, I've been reading over on on concussions because it keeps coming to the forefront about everything. And, uh, you know, some of these studies out there are even showing that they are thrusting and more back into some activities more than they had been previously 10 years ago they're trying to get them back into activities and get the brain function going more and i don't you know it's it's just crazy to me how that that stuff changed changed in over 10 10 years and it's crazy to me that that concussions have doubled in the last decade so i mean and and we know all these preventions and there's not really a great prevention for it obviously (laughs) but i mean there's not and the you know, helmets and we, we look, they can 
preach all they want about helmets, but helmets don't stop concussions, obviously, and mm -hmm. uh, they're for more preventative measures. And Right. And the question is, you know, are, are we just diagnosing it more often? Are we um, over-diagnosing now? And, and unfortunately, with it being such a, such a subjective, you know, diagnosis, it's hard um, to know that for sure um, as far as why the increase. Um, but we're definitely, they used to also say wake kids up every two hours and check on them after concussion. They're no longer recommending that either. So, um, you, and they you know, what's so crazy to me is that, you know, back in our day, years ago, <laughs> I won't say how many exactly, but back in our day as an athlete myself, I cannot recall anybody ever having a concussion and not that they didn't because, you know, we played just as hard. But, right. um, you know, in wrestling or basketball or even volleyball or any contact sport, I just don't remember them getting very many kids getting diagnosed, even when we were slammed to the ground or slammed against the wall. So, you know, I think the awareness is absolutely key with coaches, with, you know, working with physicians. Um, and, you know, I also think that what brought it to light was that movie Concussion. Truly, I mean, just, you know, what's happening to those NFL football players. When I watched that movie, I was like awed by how it changes their entire, um, not only physical being, but their mentality if they get too many concussions, you know, what it does to the brain. So I think that movie with Will Smith, Concussion, brought a lot of um, awareness for concussions as well years ago you know, for parents. But, you know, I, the reason we're doing this today is we don't want parents to get scared because, you know, players do get hit. We just want them to be cautious. And we know, we know coaches are cautious talking to Kobe every day, you know, working with wrestlers and, and, uh, football players all the time. He's very conscious of it. And like he said, he kind of airs on the, let's be safe and hold you out for a little while just to see how they respond, you know, um, but there's a there's a lot of things that I think parents are just nervous about these days. And it's great to have you on to kind of set the record straight on when to bring our students and our players in to see you and and to feel right about it. Because really, I mean, one concussion is one too many. And so you get into what if you have two? I mean, when do you as a PA um, say, OK, you know what, we got to. You, you probably shouldn't be in that contact sport. Is there ever a time where you would say you've had too many concussions for a player? Um, I remember being in high school and the answer to that was always three. Um, so that's what, you know, you think it is. If you had three, you're done. But going through my training and going through um, school and doing continuing medical education specifically on this topic, um, there is no good medical research or studies that prove or show that a certain number disqualifies you. Um, so I don't think I would ever be the one from a family medicine or primary care perspective to disqualify a patient. Um, I would maybe then rely on an even more specialized um, provider, such as a neurologist, to help me make that, that decision, that determination. Um, so yeah, from a family medicine standpoint, I just have never come across any concrete research or studies that would you know, tell me, okay, this is the, this is the definitive, you know, maximum. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, and I like to touch on, you know, I think a lot of more kids are starting to come forward a little bit more when they get concussions. I know that studies show that maybe I think it's around 50% don't say that they're having concussion issues, but over the last five years, I, I've really seen kids like come up and say that I, I got my bell rung pretty good and I need to sit out those type of things, which when I was in high school back in 1995, I got 
hit multiple times and probably went to the wrong sideline and you know you were dazed and confused yeah. but you know they we just put us right back in oh, you feel good yeah. yep we get back in there mm-hmm. uh, and i think that the informative side of concussions is really big nowadays i think a lot of information's out there scaring some some kids a little bit too and parents and it's obviously hurting the sport of football a little bit i mean there's some parents that don't want their kids to come out for football or even girls soccer is another really high high concussion rate uh for girls that's the highest uh, obviously there's some leeway there that they don't want their kids to go out and and i get that part of it too but uh, obviously there's some preventative measures how we coach too um obviously i'm gonna use my son for an experience uh has had three concussions uh, while he was growing up and two of them were in wrestling one in football uh and more of it's to the point of a whiplash type of activity or contact it wasn't a helmet to helmet blow or anything like that It was more of a whiplash type of where your brain's your brain's slapping against the back of your head and you know we we've looked at preventative measures getting your neck stronger those type of things uh all all sorts of things around blocking schemes and using your shoulder pads instead of your crown or your helmet those type of Mm -hmm. things and you know the heads up tackling and all that kind of stuff the iowa high school athletic association and uh the board is all about heads up tackling where we used to talk about burying your head in your chest and your neck gets snapped back, those type of things. So we're teaching a little bit different stuff, and I think it's really helping. I, we haven't had very many concussions in high school. For me, in the last 10 years, really, we haven't. I'm probably three or four, which I don't think is a bad thing. I mean, that's pretty low numbers mm-hmm. in a 10-year span. Uh, so I think we're teaching better. I think coaches are teaching better. I think I think doctors are even informing people better i think that everything's better that ways and i think that's why some people are coming forward too more that the preventative measures are so good and people the information's so good i definitely think that i just think the awareness is key that's why we're doing this podcast um and appreciate adrian you being on here because you you see it from two sides as an atc as an athletic trainer on the field at one point and now as a, as a, a physician assistant you see it in both sides. So I think it's great having your expertise on air here to help people understand a little bit about concussions and, and the signs and symptoms. Um, I do have one question. What if I'm a, what if I, let's say the, the student or the athlete, they're not on the field. Let's say I'm not there to witness it. Let's say they're on their own. They're outside doing something and they, they fall. Um, if I was a parent and my child walked in and said, hey, I hit my head and they were by themselves, what are the symptoms that I need to be aware of to be concerned about, I mean, something I didn't witness or no, nobody witnessed. When should I be concerned if my child, beyond a headache, be concerned to say, you know, we need to take you in? Beyond a headache, probably um, any visual disturbance. So if they say, hey, mom, dad, I have blurry vision. I can't see out of one eye. I'm feeling really dizzy. Um, I I am having trouble balancing or focusing. Um and then if the vomiting and nausea then come later, um, certainly um, something that needs to be be looked at by a by a healthcare provider. Um, obviously, if they're you know have pupil pupil un, unequal pupils, throwing up blood, you know have have losses of consciousness. That's something that needs obviously more of an emergent evaluation than waiting till the next morning for your family doc. Um, and honestly, sometimes you don't know. And getting just reassurance. Um, the next day is not necessarily a bad thing. So, um, but uh, I think for the most part, you know, it's pretty obvious if they need an emergent, you know, um, consult, they're uh, not. The signs and symptoms would be very 
Yep. Oh, very, okay. Okay. Yep. Slurred speech. Um, yeah. All of those good things. Yeah. So for a headache, would you just, I mean, so if my kid said they got hit in the head and they seem fine, but they just have a little headache, I mean, as a, as a parent, would that be something, if you were a parent, would you just say, okay, let's take some ibuprofen or a leave or something to help with that and just kind of make their activity a little less and yep, then yep. just watch? Okay. Okay. Yep. And then certainly, um, you know, if you, if you fall and hit your head, you're, you're going to expect to have a little goose egg, a little swelling and expect to have a headache. Um, so, you know, you treat with ice, you treat with rest, you, you know, um, can give Tylenol, um, alleviate that sort of thing and kind of just monitor for worsening signs and symptoms and then continue to kind of, you know, ask those questions. How is it doing? Can you rank it, rate it for me? Um, if they don't feel like eating and, um, those type of things are starting to, to, uh, not, act or behave normally, then certainly you'd be a little bit more um, worried than if, you know, just says, mom, my head hurt. I think that helps a lot of parents because what parent out there hasn't had a young child uh, come in with a goose egg on their head or have has fallen? And, you know, we all get a little nervous about that kind of stuff because of the awareness with concussions and head injuries. So I think that that helps alleviate, alleviate a little bit of uh, you know, if it's a, it's a mild headache and the child is seeming normal, you know, hours afterwards that just having some ibuprofen is, is fine as long as those other symptoms aren't associated with what the child's going through, too. So yeah, that's exactly. good to know. Yeah. Yep. One quick question about multiple concussions in a one year span. Uh, is, are people more susceptible after one concussion to get another one? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I think that the awareness of concussions is great, but the emphasis on the return to to play protocol is not as great. So I think multiple concussions are probably most due because we're not taking enough time after we're asymptomatic to return to activity. Um, The brain is still healing. Although our symptoms are gone, the brain is still healing. So I think, um, yes, you're more prone, but if you are diligent about doing, uh, I recommend at least five day return to play protocol. You're asymptomatic next day. Okay. Let's just do something light next day. Let's add a little more intensity and then not doing a full contact competition until at least five days after you're asymptomatic. I think emphasizing that then your, your odds of getting another concussion decrease dramatically. Yeah, that's good to know. I mean, I think that's good to know for for coaches and for parents too, you know, mm-hmm. but you don't, you don't think that having one concussion. Um, so if I heal from that concussion, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be more susceptible in the future to have another one easier than um, someone who hasn't. Parents ask me that all the time and predicting the future. I haven't, um, figured out yet, but, um, so. <laughs> that's a great answer. Cause we all feel that way. <laughs> I know. So that's kind of usually my answer, but, um, it's so hard to know. Um, I know people that have had multiple concussions and I know people that I've just only had one. Um, and every kid is different, which makes my life in medicine a little difficult and challenging. But, um, I then kind of revert back to the emphasis on the return to play. You know, if you do these following steps, his odds or her odds of having a repeat, it almost returns to baseline for, Mm -hmm. for someone that hasn't had one at all. So I kind of, I kind of, uh, you know, emphasize the return to play rather than worry about what could happen in the future. Right. Yeah. Which makes sense, which makes good sense. And I'm going to touch a little bit more on uh, uh, girls a little bit, because we've been talking a lot about football and uh, what, what have you uh, seen girls? Well, I know I 
kind of touched on the soccer uh, thing is one of the higher rated percentages for girls in concussions. Are you seeing a lot of girls come in with concussion issues over the last five years? So when I was an athletic trainer, I was at an all-girls high school. Um, so I didn't see any football. <laughs> I still, <laughs> I still, no football, no wrestling, and still had a good handful of concussions. Um, yeah, mostly soccer, as you alluded to earlier. Um, I also had a few volleyball, actually, um, diving for balls um, and going for, you know, loose balls and diving with another player. Um, but um, the soccer from the girl side of point, um, side of things is 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 the most, you know, at risk. Um, I also had, uh, we had a lacrosse team too, um, but they were helmets. So they didn't have as much as the soccer girls. Um, the soccer girls are brutal. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, uh, here in I, and that was out in, um, I was in Ohio. Um, here in Iowa, um, uh, I, I've had uh, maybe two or three um, in the last year of girls with concussions. Um, and I think, um, one was from volleyball, one was from softball. I mean, just kind of random, random mm-hmm. sports, not one specifically. So, well, and like you said, you know, back in the day, like in, when I went to school in 1990, uh, the, we didn't have ATCs, you know, so right. every sport that we had, there was nobody there to prepare the coach to test for concussions, um, to have a baseline, those type of things. So, I mean, the Iowa Athletic Association has come a long way with trying to make an awareness for concussions because we didn't have athletic trainers on the sidelines. We came from a small group or small school. So it was just those big schools that had the athletic trainers. So I think it's great now that every school has to have an athletic trainer for football, just because it is a brutal sport. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a very hard contacted sport. So, um, I think yep. that's a great thing. But soccer's right there, too. Like you you and Kobe said, soccer's right there with it. That's a pretty brutal sport. Yeah, it is. This might be a, a dumb question, but so you, Kobe and you both mentioned that prior to, like, football, let's just use football because that's what we're talking about, they do a baseline concussion test. So if I have a concussion and my ATC does that test afterwards with me and they notice that, hey, you should probably go to your doctor, do they take that baseline test to the physician? So the physician not, can retest them or no? Is it not just usually not no. usually? Okay. No. Um, and me knowing that my background, I, I mean, I do my own, so I know, I know what I'm doing. And I know how to do it. Um, it's mm-hmm. just for those, um, some of those family medicine, primary care providers that don't have that background. And of course they, they, I'm sure they all ask symptoms and they all, um, do a modified balance or coordination, um, neurological exam, but then if they think they're all fine and dandy, unfortunately, the, the mistake I'm seeing mostly in my world is, okay, you're good, go back. And it's just, that's mm-hmm. kind of just a big no-no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really yeah. work that way. Um, and then the kid, of course, is all excited. They feel good. They're, they they pass the test with their doctor and here's my note coach, like put me in. Um, so that's the part that I, I scares me a little bit and I'm trying to um, hopefully, you know, give more education and promote more awareness just around that specific aspect of the whole concussion um, concept. And hopefully with this podcast, that's what we're doing. You know, not only are hopefully uh, parents listening to this, but physicians as well listening to you because you have, you have fantastic experience in this as on both sides of the line. So, you know, for you and Kobe to be talking about you, you witness this stuff all the time. So to kind of work with the ATC and the coach, I think is, the better component of making it a, a successful return for the athlete. I, it scares me a little bit when you're coaching. And obviously, probably as an ATC and a PA, obviously, 
as a as the game's going on, a lot of these kids are taking blows and hits, and uh, you know, obviously getting this, these whiplash injuries. And uh, obviously during the game, we talked about it earlier. They don't they don't have these symptoms till after the game sometimes. So it's it's a hard for a coach to know when and when not. Even as an ATC, it's tough for him to to diagnose it because I I'll just use my daughter for an example. Got hit in the head with the softball. Played the whole game, didn't have any symptoms, but 15, 20 minutes after the game is vomiting. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a coach, I mean, you can't really blame them. I mean, obviously they they want to win. They're trying to do their best, but uh, they don't know either. I mean, it's mm-hmm. one of those deals where it's a little hairy at times, but obviously she wanted to do the best for my kid, and obviously she wanted to win too. <laughs> that's just the way it works. But I know for parents, that's a hard one to swallow. Uh and me being a coach and a parent, I mean, obviously, I would have done the same thing. I would have kept my daughter in the game and played. She obviously wasn't showing any symptoms at that time. Right, but, and that's what makes it hard about it being so subjective. You don't know until the symptoms occur. Um, and there's really not much you can do or, or say about that. I mean, if she's feeling fine, let her keep playing. And as soon as the symptoms, you know, yeah. start, that's when you know, I guess. And that is scary um, from from all perspectives. But um, that's what makes it so hard. Yeah. And I think the adrenaline part of it, you know, a, a player, whether it be a, a female or male, you're in that game, you're wanting to win, you're going full force. The adrenaline sometimes gets you past it. You don't even realize you might've been hit that hard until after it's all done, you know? So you're, so I could see for your daughter's sake that, you know, she's in the middle of that game, wanting to finish it, playing hard, that adrenaline was pumping through her. And then once you kind of chill out a little bit, then you start to feel the effects. So I, I can imagine on a coaching perspective, you know, it'd be very difficult sometimes to really see it um, as an issue during the game until, you know, after the player realizes, hey, maybe I got hit a little harder than I thought because of that adrenaline effect. Right. And it's really hard because if the same ball hit another girl, she could have never vomited at all and been fine. So the same velocity of hit or same velocity of, of impact um, is for every kid is so different. So it's not like, oh, that ball was really fast. She probably has concussion. It may not be true for depending on who it hit, um, which makes it another layer of challenge. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that makes a good point because so I might be player one who gets hit and I just have a headache. I might be player two who gets hit not as hard or so it seems like it's not as hard of a hit but then I start vomiting is it just the reaction to each player so maybe if I vomit and have a headache it's not it's not considered worse it's just every player's different yeah reaction to it every player's different that's why they kind of took away the mild moderate severe um kind of grading scale for concussions it's uh it's either you have one or you don't um so a lot of people still kind of use that terminology. Oh, you know, it was just a mild concussion. Well, it, you still had one. We have to, you know, we have to count mm-hmm. it as a concussion. It's, it's, they, so they try to not necessarily dumb it down, but uh, try to make it a little bit more black and white because it's such a gray issue. Um, you either have one or you don't. Um, and it, the, the recovery of a concussion too is also so different from player to player. I've had a, a girl, um, Last, last fall, I guess it was, it took her two weeks to become asymptomatic. And then, you know, the next kid that comes in is asymptomatic in two days. So um, you just have to go by, you know, what your what your patient is telling you. So um, I, there's some kids, I you know, my sister played college basketball. She had a girl on her team that she was out for a whole year 
due to, you know, and it was her first concussion. So people respond so differently. Um, you just have to listen to your bodies. I think that's a great message. I honestly do. I think that everybody's different and, and uh, parents just be aware of that. The asymptomatic can happen differently for each player or each person. So it's a great message. I just want to, uh, we're going to try and wrap things up here. And I just want to say thanks, Adrian Rains, for coming on and uh, letting us, giving us some insight and uh, some good knowledge on concussions. I uh, also want to thank you, Sherry, for coming on. I really enjoyed it. And I, I really want to say thanks to Adrian and Kobe because I've learned a lot. I mean, I didn't, I knew, I thought I knew a lot about concussions, but I really did learn a lot from you guys today. So I've really enjoyed this. And I hope that parents like myself take, a, take this message away. Um, as an awareness and just, you know, full of great information from both of you. So thank you, Adrian, for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And thanks for listening to Your Best Life, powered by Mercy One. Make sure to send us your feedback and questions by emailing us at podcast at mercyhealth.com. And always live your best life.